Pastor Xavier Reese explains the hope we have in his story on today's Simple Truths. Notice the person who reads the words of the Revelation will be blessed. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. The word for blessed, as you know, means, oh, how happy. He says, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast. The blessing is not in mere hearing, but in keeping what one hears. For the time is near. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Christians spend millions each year on books, seminars, and retreats in order to hear from God. But according to Pastor Xavier, we can hear simple truths from our Heavenly Father on a regular basis if only we take the time to listen to what He's written for us in His book. Let's join him as he continues this brand new study in the book of Revelation titled, God's Final Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 is our text. The message is God's final revelation. The person who revealed the revelation to man was John. The phrase bore witness is from the word uh, martio, which means uh, to testify or to bear record. He was the last apostle living in the time of the writing of the book of Revelation, 95 AD. The others had all died under martyrdom, and um, he alone remained, which is interesting in light of uh, what Jesus told Peter about John in, his, in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 22. Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he remain till I come, meaning about John, what is that to you? You follow me. And then the next verse says, and, and it went a rumor out that John was never going to die. I have a feeling Peter spread it. That goes to show you, Peter, not under inspiration, he exaggerated. Under inspiration, you can trust him. Now, the particulars of the revelation John was to bear witness to were three. Listen to the words here. To the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. First to the word of God. The word of God is in the sense that the truth being revealed or unveiled by the Father that we don't mess with it. The revelation of his plan, his purpose, his pronounced judgments. Tradition says that they attempted to boil John to death, but he didn't die, so they sent him to the island of Patmos. In fact, here in chapter 1, verse 9, it says that he was in the island of Patmos for the testimony of the word of God, identifying himself with his brothers as companions in tribulations in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. Now notice the word of God is in the sense also who Jesus is. Uh, he was the incarnation and the resurrection. As he's one, he's the lamb of God. He's glorified here in chapter one. He's no longer here on earth. He's up in heaven. He's glorified. He's the one in control. The one who fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament regarding his first coming. Over 300 prophecies. Now many of them as he was dying on the cross. Now he will fulfill the rest of them. Old and new, whatever it may be. What would give you any inclination to think that he won't fulfill the rest if he fulfilled over 300 the first time? On what basis do you have the freedom to say that he will not fulfill it? But secondly, notice to the testimony of Jesus, this is the, what's called an epistolary heiress, big old phrase, placing himself, John in his writings, at that time that his book is read in the churches, in the Greek, the tenses, so when they read it, it's like he's speaking right to them directly. And what is it about? That he is at the throne, verse 4. He's at his throne. That he is a faithful witness to the first 
born from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, verse 5. That it is he who loves us and washed us from all our sins in his own blood, verse 5. That he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, verse 6. That to him is to be ascribed glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen, verse 6. Amazing things. Things that you and I need to embrace and understand more than ever. And then thirdly, notice to all things that he saw. The reigning and glorious high priest who entered the holy of holies in heaven and is in the midst of the churches seeing, hearing all and directing them. Verse 12 through 20. He's seeing everything. He sees the junk. He sees the hypocrisy. He sees the theft. He sees the adultery. He sees the junk. He sees everything. Nothing escapes him. The compromising and evil condition of the seven churches and the warning to repent is evident enough as we go through them. The only two that don't have that is Smyrna and Philadelphia. Smyrna is a suffering church. When you're suffering, you don't have time to play games. When you're Philadelphia, you're, you're little in strength and you're dependent on Christ. Very, very important. Now, the vision of the Lamb of God who was worshipped in heaven and worthy to take the scroll in chapter 4 and verse 5 and to loosen the seal and redeem the earth as all heaven and earth under the earth and in the sea was giving blessing and honor and glory to him there on the throne is given to us there in chapter 4 and 5. So the warning to the churches, chapter 2 and 3. And then we see in glory being worshipped, chapter 4 and 5. The audience is there. That's you and I. That's the church. And then from 6 to 18, you have the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bold judgment or vials, depending on your translation, the wrath of God being poured out on this earth, the kingdom of the Antichrist in this godless world. So the book of Revelation really is the easiest to understand because the table of contents is given to us in chapter 1. The things he saw, the glorified Christ, the things that are the church age, chapter 2 and 3, and the interlude of 4 and 5 up in heaven, and then the things that shall be hereafter, the tribulation, the pouring of God's wrath. A threefold table of contents is given in chapter 1. There's no way you can mess up the book of Revelation. God made sure of that by giving us a table of contents. Otherwise, we really would have made a doozy out of it. You remember King Amaziah? As Amos was called to prophesy in the northern kingdom, very idolatrous kingdom, he said this, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread and there prophesy, but never again prophesy of Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the royal residence. Then Amos answered and said to Messiah, I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel, the northern kingdom. A perfect picture of a prophet when the whole nation's gotten corrupt and he sends them up north to preach against idolatry. You know, God is not interested in seeking out great men and women, but rather men and women who are willing to proclaim the great Savior. Jeremiah, if you remember, in chapter 1, 4 through 10, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet of the nations. Then said I, 
Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have made this day to set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Very, very difficult ministry. If you remember, Jeremiah stood alone. He was beat, he was accused, he was incarcerated, he was put in a dungeon down in the mud, he was fed bread and water until the the whole city was taken by Babylon, but God was faithful, he brought him through. Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus as he sojourned, and he came to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone all around him, as you know. And he fell to the ground and heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard to kick against the goats. And so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do, Acts 9, 3 through 6. As you know, Ananias came in a vision. He saw the Lord told him. And I said, Lord, don't you know? Yeah, I know who he is. He says, Brother Saul, get up. For the Lord has made you an anointed vessel, a chosen vessel. Wow. God is always looking for a man or a woman to make themselves available to communicate his word. This was the earthly affirmation of the revelation. Notice the person who reads the words of the revelation will be blessed. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. The word for blessed, as you know, means, oh, how happy. It's the same word that Jesus used for the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 through 10. And these are the very words of Jesus. Listen, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke eleven twenty eight. One without the other is half a lie. And half a truth. Only both of them together is complete truth. This happiness is not based on the happiness of the world, or circumstance, situations, emotions, or what I have or who I am. But it's the truest happiness, understanding that we have been forgiven for all of our sins and that not one of them will ever be mentioned. And I want you to really think of what I'm going to say. But every sin that you have ever committed... If you have repented, it has been cast as far as the east of the west and the deepest ocean, and it will never be mentioned by God. The person who hears the word of God, the revelation, will also be blessed. And the revelation here is talking about the book of Revelation here. Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy. That's the context. The practice of someone reading the congregation was, comes from the synagogue. A pastor would read the passage. And um, later on, lectors read the reading. And that you have that in denominations and professional readers that read certain things. But not all in the days of John also. You have to understand and We lose sight of this sometimes. But many in the, in, in the church were illiterate. They couldn't read or write. In fact, history gives us that affirmation also that many people who came to Christ were illiterate and they became literate by the Bible, reading and studying it, able to read, able to write. And by the way, the first textbook in the public school system in the United States was the Bible. You might send an email to Congress. The Bible, greatest idea in the world. The word here is a cool. 
It means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, to attend to, to consider, to understand on what's being said. And when that ability has been given to you as a Christian, and I, then I am, I am heavily responsible for living it out and doing it. And that's why when I don't, it crushes me. It grieves me, and I hate it because I know that I'm under obligation, not by a law, but by the love of Jesus Christ. And notice the person who keeps those things which are written in the revelation will be blessed. Blessed is he who keeps those things which are written in it, the book of Revelation. The blessing is not a mere reading, but in keeping the word again. The word keep means here to observe, to guard. The word is translated whole fast, addressing the church of Sardis. Listen, in Revelation 3.3, he says, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast, there's the word, and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Is he talking to Christians or non-believers? He's talking to Christians. Warning is always to Christians. The seven churches are Christian. They become corrupt. The non-believer is dead. You preach to them. You evangelize them. You be patient with the non-believer. They're dead. A believer, you're not as patient because they have the ability to hear and obey. Are we clear on that? Reading brings greater responsibility and accountability to God. Hearing. The blessing is not in mere hearing, but in keeping what one hears. There's always those who um, love knowledge. It's based on pride. And the worst form of pride is spiritual pride, flaunting the knowledge they have heard while not keeping it. It's greater condemnation. The blessing comes in keeping what is written in this book of Revelation. Let me give you some of the things. Repenting from one's sins. You say, oh, I'm saved. Oh, you don't sin? You don't fall short at times? Remembering to live holy. The warning is given again at the very end of the book. Listen, Revelation 22, 18 through 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Don't ask me to mess with the book of Revelation. I'm just going to give it to you exactly as it is. And that's what I try to do with the rest of the word, but especially in the book of Revelation. Very, very dangerous. He's talking to Christians. The persons are to know and understand the reason behind the blessing. Listen what he says. For the time is near. The last days are about over. The church age. Second Peter 3 eight says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day of the Lord. So the difference between God and us is that we live in a linear chronological time zone of past, present, and future. God lives outside of man's time domain. He lives in the eternal present. So a thousand to one, it doesn't matter. There's no difference to him. Okay, he's outside. To us, we're so conscious of time. The word of God will come to pass. It will be fulfilled. Time is irrelevant. The word is used for the due time that Christ died for the ungodly in Romans 5, 6. It's also used for redeeming the time, kairos, 
because the day is evil, Ephesians 5.16. If Paul said, redeem the time for the day is evil, the time, how much worse is it now? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's the whole world. The word was commonly used in eschatological, meaning end times, sense to indicate the time of crisis, decisive moment to make a decision. The demoniacs of Gadara said to Jesus, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the Kairos time? Matthew 8, 28, there comes a time when God's going to judge all the fallen angels. Some of them are demons. He's going to judge them and cast them apart from him for all eternity. They're very aware of that. Now, notice the time is closer than people think. The word for near means at hand, to be in place and position to begin the event and reveal it. He's speaking at 95 AD, almost 2,000 years ago. We're 2,000 years closer. As we look at the world, we see Russia posturing. We see China. We see Israel all alone. The same word is used at the end of the Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 10 says, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Daniel was told to seal the book in Daniel 8, 9, and 12. The book of Revelation has never been sealed. The book of Revelation answers the long-awaited prayer. You know what it is? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Matthew 6, 10. It's the answer to the prayer we're praying. <laughs> the power of the word of God is amazing. Spurgeon one time was just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible from the pulpit, and there was a guy up in the rafters working to his uh, uh, unawareness of it, and he became so convicted that he went home and repented in his living room. Wow, just reading the word, not even knowing he's there. God nailed the guy. Listen to the words of Spurgeon. The hearing of the gospel involves the hearing, the hearer in responsibility. It is a great privilege to hear the gospel. You may smile and think there is nothing very great about it. The damned in hell know. Oh, what would they give if they could hear the gospel now? If they could come back and entertain, but the shadow of a hope that they might yet escape from the wrath to come. The saved in heaven estimate the, this privilege at a high rate. For having obtained salvation through the preaching of the gospel, they can never cause or cease to be blessed by their God for calling them by his word of truth. Oh, that you knew it. On your dying bed, the listening to the gospel sermon will seem another thing than it seems now. You may be saying, you know, I wish this guy would just shut up and be over. I got to get out of here. What is he talking about? But let me tell you, when you're about to die, or when things happen bad to you, you will call upon God. We act tough, but because the shove, this gospel is gold. It's not a dirt clod. It's pure gold. How many people in Christ are so unhappy because they do not read the Bible? And I'm talking about Christians on a daily basis. Some of you come in on Sunday and then you fast the rest of the week until next Sunday. That's bad for you. You don't read the word of God during the week and you end up being bombarded and tempted and everything else. Your mind is an anxiety. Your mind doesn't have peace. You don't fall in the category of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 6 through 7, the peace of the past all understanding because you don't put the word of God in you every day. You don't wash your mind. You don't fill your heart and all of that. You think that you're sufficient in yourself and you go out there in the flesh and you get beat up. 
Your mind and heart is pulled and tempted, and the works of the flesh are manifested from Monday to Friday to Saturday, Ephesians, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And you feel bad and you grieve and all that, but it doesn't do any good to feel like that. Your heart perhaps is entrapped with the riches of the world and your strain and your faith you're going to deny and you're going to be deceived by the riches, 1 Timothy 6.10. You know how many people I've known who have sat in the same chair you're sitting in that said, I would never leave Christ, I would never do this, I would never do that. 42 years, you get to see a few people. You don't bring your thoughts into captivity to your full obedience to Christ and you give in to things and it leads from one thing to the other and before you know it, you're there. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. The weapon of our warfare and our carnal, but spiritual, bringing down the strongholds of the enemy. The word of God is of the greatest benefit to the believer in his life. It's called many, many different things as you go through the Bible. Perfect, pure, restraining force, truth, enduring, effectual, a lamp, fire, hammer, seed, the word, water that washes the living, active word, and on and on and on. The person who reads, hears the word of God, and especially the book of Revelation, does not keep it and obey it, they are fools. Absolutely. They're deceiving themselves. Listen to Ezekiel. God's speaking through him. Ezekiel 33, 32. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has pleasing voice, and you can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. People come in Sunday after Sunday and they love, oh man, you just hammer, boy, I love, oh man, you, but they just hear. And I'm like, look, a beautiful song to you, but you don't live it. You don't do it. James says, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. James 1.26. You're prone to this. I'm prone to this. We're all made of the same stuff. That's why we need one another. That's why we need to gather together. We need to pray for one another. We need to let God work through us. James gave us many parables. I mean, Jesus gave us many parables of warning us against ignoring the warnings of the word of God that uh, warned us about his coming and not listening and being doers of his word. Let me give you some of these. Matthew 24, 30. Then the sign of the Lord, of the Son of God, will appear in heaven. And then will all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Wow. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Revelation 1.7. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at the hour that you do not expect. Matthew 24.44. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour which the Son of Man is coming. Matthew 25.13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour which the Son of Man comes. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, Luke 21, 36. I pray every day, Lord, let me obey you. Let me be worthy of you. Let me just, but I don't want to be here. I love you, but I don't want to be left behind. I don't want my wife to be left behind. I don't want my children. I don't want my grandchildren behind. I don't want to see you left behind. And so we need to pay heed to this. This was the spiritual compensation of the revelation that he's given. There's a compensation to obedience, to yielding to him, to believe in this stuff. So John's prologue opens up the book of Revelation, qualifying the entire book of Revelation as being divinely inspired, evident by these three truths. 
the heavenly communication of the revelation. It's God's word. It's not a suggestion. The earthly affirmation of the revelation. We can understand it. Therefore, we need to believe it and live it out. And the spiritual compensation of the revelation. God will bless us. He will direct us. He will guide you. He will be for you. He will strengthen you. He will be there. I mean, what better news could there be? Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us not only where conviction comes from, but also the hope there is for all that look to Jesus as Savior. And you can request the CD copy of today's thought-provoking lesson titled, God's Final Revelation. And this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. We have them available upon request for just $4. And that title to ask for once again is, God's Final Revelation. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's the most important thing in the world? Find out how Pastor Xavier Reese answers that question when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 